What is up everyone? It's Quinn here. And in today's video, I'm going to be running through my top 24 wide receivers and then also breaking these players up into tiers. So I believe I have uh, seven tiers for these top 24. As always, I want to hear your guys' thoughts down below in the comment section. So let me know if you think a player is too high or too low. I haven't made a ton of changes um, from my top 12, which is the last set of rankings that I did, but this is my first time kind of going through, you know, the wide receiver twos. And I do think there is a lot of variance in that tier. So I want to know what you guys think. These rankings are going to be more based for like PPR, half point PPR scoring. So just kind of keep that in mind. And then if you enjoy the content, do me a huge favor, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel. But let's jump right into it. And we're going to start it off with my two tier one wide receivers. Just going to throw these guys in here together because I feel like it's pretty consensus at this point. Justin Jefferson at number one, Jamar Chase at number two. Jefferson was the wide receiver one in total points last season, and then the wide receiver two in points per game behind Cooper Cup, depending on how you view like the point per game, or sorry, the total games threshold. I believe Cooper Cup played at nine, so maybe you count it, maybe you don't. And he's pretty much just the total package in terms of a guy who has a wide receiver one overall ceiling, but then also very, very safe because he's still very young. He's not going to fall off an age cliff, and he's pretty much on the exact same offense he was last season. On the other side for Chase, despite missing five games last season, on a point-per-game basis, he was still great, was the wide receiver four in points per game. I just think both of these players are still getting better. They haven't hit their peaks yet, and then are just very safe, and not safe in the terms of like their low upside, but just safe compared to some of these other older wide receivers where maybe they regress. The likelihood of Jefferson and Chase actually regressing in ability is just very, very low at this point. So those are my tier one wide receivers. Now shifting into tier two, gonna talk about these two guys together also. Have Cooper Cup and Tyree Kill. I actually think both of these players carry pretty similar ceilings to Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, but I just think they have a little less safety. We've seen Cup be the wide receiver one in points per game over both of the last two seasons, 25.9 PPR points per game in 2021, which is just absurd. And then 22.4 last season in, I believe, nine games. Like I said earlier, I do think he carries some risk as a 30-year-old wide receiver coming off a season-ending ankle injury. And then there are also some question marks about Matthew Stafford there. But I also just think that Cooper Cup has room to regress and still end up paying off you know, at this uh, wide receiver three price tag. And then for Tyreek Hill, coming off a great first season with the Dolphins, was the wide receiver three in points per game at 20.4, and was actually even better in the games where we're just looking at the uh, Tua starts. He is getting a little bit up there in age at 29, you know, not quite as uh, old as Cooper Cup. And now there's some potential legal thing going on. I think the initial report about his legal situation shouldn't really like think you'd be leading to a suspension, but I do think there's some stuff where it's like they take into account your past offenses and Tyreek Hill isn't exactly uh, clean in that department. So we'll see how it plays out. Not going to dock him at this point, you know, without any talk of suspension. So he is still like a locked in top five uh, pick for me in redraft leagues. Now moving into tier three, a decently large tier here. My wide receiver five is going to be Stefan Diggs. I just think he's a very solid mid-tier wide receiver one. He's played three seasons with the Bills. He has finished as the wide receiver three, the wide receiver nine, and then the wide receiver five in points per game. So I feel like this is kind of like a nice mid-tier ranking here for Diggs. He consistently commands targets at a high level. He's been top five in total targets 
in each of the past three seasons. And he's also attached to Josh Allen and just one of the best offenses in the NFL. So a guy I really like, you know, as my wide receiver one. Now moving over to my wide receiver six, this is going to be Amon Ross St. Brown. And this is probably going to be one of the uh, more bolder takes, I guess, I have in this video. And some of you guys probably aren't going to like this ranking. You think it's too high. But just hear me out here with Amon Ra at number six. In 2022, Amon Ra was the wide receiver 10 in points per game. However, I think we need to dive a little bit deeper because I do think that point per game number is a little bit flawed because he left early in week three with an ankle injury. Then he re-aggravated in week five, um, you know, so didn't play a full game there. And then he also left week seven with a concussion. So there are sometimes players just deal with unfortunate injury luck. And they're not only like missing games, because he really didn't miss that many games, but they're leaving early. And that's really what can screw up your point per game number, right? Because points per game, you're kind of getting around players missing for injuries because it's not like you just get a zero in your lineup, but it's not really accounting for guys who could be leaving early. Obviously, typically that's not a situation we have to deal with a ton, but for Amon Ra, we did. So if we remove those three games where he left early with injury, Amon Ra averaged 19 PPR points per game. He would have been the wide receiver seven and then right behind like Devontae Adams and Stephon Diggs. Amon Ra is heading into year three. He still hasn't hit his ceiling. I also don't think this Lions offense has peaked. Like the weapons around him still aren't great. It's not like they brought in a bunch of studs. We still don't know what we have in Jameson Williams. And then he's also suspended to start off the season. So I just think that if Amon Ra didn't have those injury problems where he left early in three games, and we were looking back at Amon Ra last year and he averaged 19 PPR points per game, I do think he would be ranked here as the wide receiver six. So I think you're actually gonna get him at a little bit of a value just because he dealt with some like injury stuff that's not something that's likely gonna carry into the future. So I do think he's actually gonna be a value this season. And if he came out and hit 20 plus points per game, I honestly really would not be surprised here. Now, moving over to my wide receiver seven, this is where I have Devontae Adams. And honestly, I have a really tough time deciding between Devontae Adams and CeeDee Lamb. I think they're just, you know, really close together. So I might honestly like flip them in my next set of rankings, but it's really close between those guys. But for Devontae Adams, he's still in tier three here. And I do think he's kind of in an interesting spot heading into the 2023 season. It seems like people are souring on him a little bit. Like his ADP has been dropping on underdog. He's currently the wide receiver nine. So I have him as the wide receiver seven. So like not crazy difference, but it does just seem like he's trending down in terms of the, uh, you know, public fantasy perception on him. He's coming off a season where he was uh, averaging 19.7 points per game, was the wide receiver six in points per game. And he's just another one of these elite wide receivers that's kind of getting up there in age a little bit. But compared to some of the other guys, I do think he has some additional red flags thrown in there. There have been some questions about Jimmy G's health. You know, like, is his contract just going to be void if he can't get healthy? My personal view on that, now I could be wrong. Let me know what you guys think. I think the Raiders would have to have been more aggressive throughout this offseason, even right now, in terms of getting another quarterback in that room if they were truly concerned about Jimmy G's health. So I do think that Jimmy G's probably going to be good to go. I think the Raiders would kind of be panicking if they were actually truly concerned about that. But I still think that going from Derek Carr to Jimmy G is a pretty solid downgrade. Like I still think Jimmy G is going to force feed Devontae Adams, but is it going to be significantly more than last season? Because last year, Devontae Adams averaged 10.6 targets per game. He was second in total targets and he had the highest target share in the NFL, but he was also number two in deep targets. That deep target area is definitely where I feel like we're probably going to see a fall off for Devontae Adams. And I also think he, you know, kind of overachieved in the touchdown department, 
14 touchdowns last season. Are we going to see that again on this Raiders offense? It's possible, but I definitely don't think that's like the baseline for production here. I still think Devontae Adams will be a mid-tier wide receiver one, but I think I'm just a little bit less confident in his uh, ceiling this year compared to over the you know last few seasons. Then in my wide receiver eight, I'm going to have C.D. Lamb, and I do really like Lamb this season. I've already talked about him a bunch, but we actually saw Lamb take a big leap last year in production with less than ideal you know conditions around him. If we remember back to last season, Week one, I believe the uh, Cowboys were playing the Buccaneers and Lamb flopped. I think it was a gross game on both sides, but Lamb only caught two passes for 29 yards and then Dak Prescott got hurt towards the end of that game. People were panicking. People were burying uh, C.D. Lamb for redraft. I remember being in leagues where he was getting sold off for like a back end wide receiver too because people were like, oh, he didn't look good with Dak. Now he's going to have a backup for a significant portion of the season. People were not, you know, very thrilled on CD Lamb moving forward. He ends up finishing as the wide receiver seven in points per game. And that was with Cooper Rush starting five games and then Dak also underperforming once he came back from injury. I think that even if the Cowboys offense kind of slows down a little bit this season, maybe they go a little bit more run heavy. I still think CeeDee Lamb will be able to maintain his 2022 production as long as Dak Prescott is back to normal. And then if maybe they kind of keep rolling with the same offense, even though they've uh, changed up offensive coordinators, I still think CeeDee Lamb is a guy who definitely hasn't hit his fantasy ceiling and is very interesting heading into the 2023 season. Now, my final tier three wide receiver is going to be A.J. Brown, probably a little bit lower on Brown than consensus. Um, He averaged 17.6 PPR points per game last season. I honestly expect similar production out of A.J. Brown. Like he was wildly efficient, like he always is. Also solid in the touchdown department, scoring 11 touchdowns. I just don't know if there are any factors that lead me to believe he's going to take a jump forward. Like pretty much the same offense. You probably have Devonta Smith, who's going to be better this season. You bring in a pass catching back in DeAndre Swift, even though I don't know how involved Swift is actually going to be in that offense, at least from like a receiving perspective. So I just think Brown is kind of in the same spot, which I think is kind of fair for him being ranked here as my wide receiver nine. Now shifting into tier four, my wide receiver 10 is going to be Garrett Wilson. And I do think an argument could be made for Garrett Wilson to be in tier three. I guess I'm just going to play a little safe here and go with tier four. We saw Wilson put together a very, very solid rookie season, especially when you consider the uh, circumstances, the quarterback play, all of that. He is getting a massive quarterback upgrade with Aaron Rodgers coming in, and I fully expect Garrett Wilson to take a massive leap. I just can't go out here and start ranking him over proven wide receivers like Devontae Adams, A.J. Brown, um, you know, the guys ahead, Amon Ra, C.D. Lamb. If I can draft him at wide receiver 10, I'm all in. I do think he's going earlier than that on underdog. I think he may have even snuck into the first round, which I can't really get on board with. I understand the upside, but I just feel like when you start picking on like wide receiver eight, somewhere in that range, you're getting really close to a ceiling projection because I think going from where he was last season to the wide receiver eight, like that would be a fantastic outcome. That would be a huge jump. And you're kind of expecting that as like the baseline, which I can't get around on, but I do think he's a solid back end wide receiver. One will probably be someone I have more shares of in more casual leagues compared to like best ball or more competitive uh, redraft leagues. Now, the other player I have in tier four is going to be Jalen Waddle. 
And when we look back at last season, Jalen Waddle's splits with and without Tua were pretty crazy. So Tua missed four games last season in terms of uh, the regular season. And then he also played in one where he, uh, I believe, left with injury and he had sub 40% of the snaps. So if we take those five games, Waddle averaged 9.3 points per game without Tua. In the games with Tua, Waddle averaged 17.7. So there are some other notable kind of wide receiver twos on their team that are coming up in these rankings, but I do think Waddle is in kind of the best position of them all. Even with the current split with him and Tyree Kill, I still think in a boom season, Jalen Waddle can deliver mid-tier wide receiver one production. And I also think there's a possibility that maybe like the gap starts to bridge just a little bit right. Like last year, we had Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle. They get a little bit closer. I do think that's possible, which would also give uh, Jalen Waddle some more upside this season. So as a back-end uh, wide receiver one, I like him here. Now shifting into tier five, my wide receiver 12 is going to be Chris Olave. And I feel like Chris Olave's upside is being a little bit overshadowed by Garrett Wilson. Obviously, he's not getting the same type of quarterback upgrade, and the offense is probably not going to be close to as good. But Chris Olave is a guy who had a very impressive rookie season in terms of fantasy points per game. He was actually the rookie wide receiver one. And then he is also getting a significant quarterback upgrade going from like the James Winston, Andy Dalton combo now to Derek Carr, who obviously is an Aaron Rodgers level. But I think a solid quarterback who just proved he could support his weapons last year with Devontae Adams. So I think Chris Olave is a solid like fringe wide receiver one pick. Continuing tier five, I have T Higgins as my number 13. I think similar to Amon Ra, T Higgins is another guy whose point per game numbers in 2022 were pretty like screwy if we're being honest. And if you had T Higgins, he was probably one of the most frustrating players to roster last season due to his injuries. And he really wasn't even a spot where he was like leaving games early like Amon Ra. He did leave week one with a concussion. So that happened once, but then in like week five and week 14, he was injured heading into the game and then they ruled him as active and then he just barely played. So uh, week five, he ran only six routes due to an ankle sprain. And then in week 14, he ran one singular route from a uh, hamstring strain. If we take out those three games, he jumps from the wide receiver 19 to the wide receiver 12 in points per game and he would have been at 15.4 points per game. And those numbers were pretty much identical to what he put up in 2021. So I feel like Higgins is a strong bet to finish as a back-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two. I think he has like mid-tier wide receiver one upside in like a Joe Burrow goes beast mode MVP season where the whole offense just goes crazy. Or he also has some upside if Jamar Chase misses like a significant portion of the season and he steps up as the uh, wide receiver one. But I think this is a fair ranking here for T Higgins. A guy who I think is in a very similar spot to T Higgins is going to be Devonta Smith, who I have as my wide receiver 14. Like I said, I think he has a very similar range of outcomes. He was the wide receiver 13 in points per game last year at 15 points per game. I think he is still likely improving as a player heading into year three on a good Eagles offense. Jalen Hurts looked great last year. Just a solid high-end wide receiver too, in my opinion. Now, I think this is where the rankings really kind of start to go all over the place. I think most people have that top 14 locked in. Like I feel like Higgins, Devonta Smith, most people view them as high-end wide receiver twos. I think once we get to wide receiver 15, that's where things, you know, just go all over the place. My wide receiver 15 starting tier six is going to be Calvin Ridley. And I'm totally honest, like he's a very tough guy to rank. He's going to end up leading my tier six, which in general, I'm not super high on. Like 
Don't really love the guys here going in tier six. Don't really love their values, especially some of the dudes later on in this tier. And obviously the clear red flag here for Ridley is that he has played in five total games over the last two seasons. And I initially did not have Ridley this high. Like when I was seeing him on underdog being drafted like mid third round, I'm like, yikes. Like that seems way too risky with the fact that he didn't play at all last season. But then the more I looked into it, the last time we saw Calvin Ridley over a full season, he was the wide receiver four in points per game at 18.8. He's stepping into a spot where he's going to be the wide receiver one for an offense that should be, you know, pretty good this year in 2023, probably a team that can push for like a top five unit in the NFL. And he's 28 years old, so it's not like he's at a point where he has likely fallen off a cliff physically. There could definitely be some rust, but I even think that with some rust, Ridley is kind of a fair value here at wide receiver 15. Now, if I did like some of the other guys in this range more, then I'd be fine moving him back. I'm just not a huge fan of a lot of the guys going in this tier. So I think if Ridley is the same dude we saw in like 2020, and then 2021, he was a little underwhelming, but like it was like a five-game sample size. If this is the same dude from 2020, he's probably going to be locked in as a top 10 wide receiver. So I'm honestly fine like ranking him at wide receiver 15, even though it feels a little uncertain, just because I'm also have some you know question marks about the guys going after him. One of those guys is going to be Amari Cooper, who I have as my wide receiver 16. And I also think I'm a little bit higher on Cooper than consensus. And if we look back to last year, Amari Cooper's kind of like season splits were pretty much flipped from what I expected. Like I liked Amari Cooper as a target last season. I was like, he's going to be all right through the early stretch. Then once we hit, I think week 11 is when Deshaun Watson was back or week 12, whatever that week was, Amari Cooper is going to be a stud. He's going to be a league winner. In 11 games without Deshaun Watson, Amari Cooper averaged 16 points per game. So I remember last season, I'm like, wow, he's balling out with Brissett. We're going to get Deshaun Watson back. He's going to be in like 18, 19 points per game. Unfortunately, it did not go that way. In six games with Deshaun Watson, Amari Cooper fell to 11.6 PPR points per game. Unfortunately, Watson just did not look like the same guy that we had seen, you know, throughout the rest of his career in those six games. Personally, I'm going to be betting on this Browns offense. I'm going to be betting on Deshaun Watson bouncing back. I think this team is going to be more pass heavy than people are expecting. They lost their like third down back in Kareem Hunt. They haven't added to the running back position, not even another guy to like shoulder a significant role on the ground with Nick Chubb. They go out, they trade for Elijah Moore. They also draft us Cedric Tillman. And then we also look at Amari Cooper, who prior to last season hadn't broken a 23% target share in his career. Last season, he was at 26.1%. If he keeps that target share with increased pass attempts for this offense and Deshaun Watson playing at a high level, I do think his ceiling is pretty interesting this season, and I do like the bet on him at his current price. I guess on underdog, I think he's like a back-end uh, round three pick, three-four turn. I'm fine with that price. Now, my wide receiver 17 is going to be Keenan Allen, and I don't think I love this spot. I do think he's a tough guy to rank because if we had no risk of him falling off a cliff, I think he'd probably be higher than this. However, he's 31 years old. He missed time last season. And he did look kind of zapped athletically. Now, Keenan Allen was definitely never like an athletic freak. I think he ran in like the four sevens, maybe even the four eight for his 40 yard dash. But I do think it looked like he took a step back last season. The thing is, his fantasy production did not. His fantasy production was actually pretty crazy. In seven games where he had over a 70% snap share, he averaged 19.7 PPR points per game. 
I don't really think the addition of Quinton Johnston is going to affect his usage all that much. So in PPR and half point PPR formats, I still think Keenan Allen honestly has a lot of juice this season. The risk is obviously that he athletically just, you know, tanks and can't get it done or can't stay healthy. That's the risk here. But I honestly think that if he doesn't regress, you could be looking at a guy who's a top 12, top 10 fantasy wide receiver. So I'm willing to kind of take that risk here at the wide receiver 17. Now we're going to be getting into some players that I think most are going to have higher than me. And that's going to start off here with DK Metcalf as my wide receiver 18. He's rising to an early third round pick on underdog. And I just can't even get close there. Like I, I don't really see like I'm, I'm not really seeing where that's coming from with him rising up to an early third round pick he was disappointing last season was the wide receiver 25 in points per game which was honestly pretty shocking because I think that's where he was drafted but that was with the expectation that this team was going to be terrible offensively Geno Smith ends up playing really well and he turns in like a wide receiver three season the glaring issue was six touchdowns in 17 games Obviously, I don't think that's going to you know, continue. He had double-digit touchdowns in, I believe, 2020 and 2021. Even if he did score 10 touchdowns last season, right? Like, I think 10 touchdowns is a solid baseline. He was still the wide receiver 17. So it's not like, you know, it's not like he was a Deontay Johnson where instead of scoring seven touchdowns, he scored zero. Like, he still was probably going to be a little bit underwhelming, especially now that he's being drafted as like a higher-end wide receiver two. And then I think when we're looking at this offensive situation, they go out, they draft JSN, and then they draft a pass catching back in Zach Charbonnet. So I'm not saying that JSN is going to kick DK Metcalf off the field, but I do think they're going to run significantly more three wide receiver sets because I think last year they were super heavy two wide receivers, but that's just because they didn't have anyone as the wide receiver three. Like I think it was Marquise Goodwin, who is not, you know, a super great wide receiver three on a team. Now you have DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, JSN. They're going to have three wide receivers out there a lot. You also add the threat of a pass catching back. I just feel like compared to last year, this situation is much worse, if I'm being honest, for Metcalf. And he really wasn't even set up to do all that great last year, even with the touchdowns. So I'm a little bit, you know, weird on DK Metcalf. I know he's super talented. Um, I just can't get up there with a high end wide receiver, too. I think mid tier um, wide receiver three, or sorry, mid tier wide receiver two, I think is fair. I would prefer to draft him in the fourth round. I know he's not going to be going there, so I probably just won't have any shares. But how are you guys feeling about DK Metcalf? Because I feel like when I lay this out, I really just can't get there with him as a high-end wide receiver too. Another guy I can't really get with in like the mid-third round is going to be Debo Samuel. I have him as my wide receiver 19, and I know I'm also going to be lower on him than consensus. And this is not like anti-Debo in terms of talent. I believe he is a wildly talented player. But I feel like people are still pulling from his 2021 season. And I feel like when we look back at that 2021 season, it was just like a perfect storm for him to go crazy. And I don't even feel like that type of ceiling is in like the range of outcomes, barring significant injuries to this 49ers offense. In 2021, Debo was the wide receiver three in points per game. And if we remember early on in that season, he was used pretty much primarily as a wide receiver. People remember him that year for like the the hybrid wide receiver running back. Early on that year, he was just a wide receiver, you know, maybe a few carries here and there, but it was not the role he had in the second half. That was when Brandon Ayuk was in the doghouse and the dude wasn't even on the field. So Debo was operating as the clear alpha wide receiver in an offense that aside from George Kittle really didn't have any offensive threats. Then once Ayuk started to kind of figure it out, 
they uh, started using Debo Samuel as like the wide receiver running back hybrid. And then he obviously balls out in that role. In 2022, prior to the Christian McCaffrey trade, Debo was kind of underwhelming already at that point, averaging 15.2 points per game. Then we look at his numbers after the CMC trade. He averaged 11 points per game in seven games. Brandon Ayuk was at 12.6 over that same stretch. So Brandon Ayuk was actually outproducing Debo Samuel with Christian McCaffrey on the field. I think when you have both Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell healthy, Debo's work on the ground is going to be limited to non-existent. And now he's competing for targets with Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, and Christian McCaffrey. Those are serious threats to any receiving volume. So I do think Debo's going to bounce back in terms of efficiency and the touchdown department, but I'm really not expecting him to jump from like wide receiver 27 in points per game, which he was last year, up to like a top 12 guy. That's why I have him as like a mid-tier wide receiver too. I think the talent is there. I just think barring like injuries to CMC and maybe Brandon Ayuk, like I just don't see the path here to him being a high-end wide receiver too. And then the final player in tier six here is going to be DeAndre Hopkins, my wide receiver 20, and kind of a tough guy to rank because his landing spot is still up in the air. And I think honestly, he could move up if he does hit, you know, a solid landing spot. Last time I checked, I believe the Patriots are the favorites, which is definitely not ideal. He would probably stay right here. But if he goes like Bills or Chiefs, could definitely jump up at least a few spots. Last season, DeAndre Hopkins proved he could still perform at a very high level, was the wide receiver nine in points per game last year, fourth in target share, second in area share. So D-Hop still has it. You're obviously hoping he doesn't regress. But I think, you know, you're getting a mid to back end wide receiver too. Very fair price tag there. Now shifting into my tier seven wide receivers, I think there's a lot of variance in this tier. So I want to know what you guys think. There are some guys I left off that probably could be thrown in here and could be as high as like wide receiver 21 in my opinion. So I'm going to start it off with Christian Watson. And I understand that this is kind of a swing here. I feel like the range of outcomes for Christian Watson is very, very wide. If you told me he kind of, you know, fizzled out and was you know not even super relevant week to week, I wouldn't be shocked. If you told me he somehow was beasting this season and got into the top 12, I also wouldn't be like overly surprised. When we look back to last year, he was pretty much a non-factor through the first like nine weeks of the season. From week 10 on, the dude was a stud. 17.2 points per game in his last eight games. It was like an Amon Ra-esque end to his rookie season. Not quite as crazy as Amon Ra, but still very impressive out of Christian Watson. He was a guy where I wish you could be getting him later than I think he's like wide receiver 20 on underdog. That's where he's at right now. So I think it's fair. You're definitely taking a swing. If you wanted to go safer, I definitely understand it, uh, but he's going to be my number 21. Now, my wide receiver 22 is going to be Jerry Judy, and he's a guy I've been lower on um, than consensus over the last few seasons, but I definitely have to give him some props for last year because I believe he was being drafted somewhere in this range. It's like a mid to back end wide receiver two last year, but that was with the expectation that this Broncos offense was going to be really good. So he ends up finishing as the wide receiver 20 in points per game. So he pretty much like holds value from where he's being drafted, if I'm remembering correctly, while being on the lowest scoring team in the NFL, right? So he could have had a serious fall off. Um, he didn't. He held the value. And I have to imagine that with Sean Payton coming in, this team is going to be better. I don't know what the ceiling is going to look like for Jerry Judy this season. I feel like the Broncos are probably not going to be putting a ton of pressure on Russ to like win them games, but I still think Judy is going to be like a solid back end wide receiver too. My wide receiver 23 is going to be Mike Williams. 
On the season last year, Mike Williams was the wide receiver 21 in points per game. If you remove his three games uh, with under a 50% target share, he'd be at 16.4 PPR points per game. I think we'll have to wait and see how the addition of Quinton Johnston affects Mike Williams. I would imagine not a ton. Like I still feel like Mike Williams is going to be out there a lot. Um, I'm pretty much going to be interested in all of these Chargers weapons. I'm high on Keenan Allen, interested in Mike Williams. I think Quinton Johnston is worth a flyer later on in drafts. Obviously, Herbert, I think, is a good value. And then Eckler, if you're getting him late first, I think is also fair. And then to wrap up my top 24, this was a spot where I considered a few different guys. I ended up going with Drake London here. And I was originally very out on Drake London heading into the season, but I am coming around a little bit. And long-term, like I'm very high on Drake London. This is not anti-Drake London as to why I was out on him a little bit earlier. I just have concerns about this specific season because obviously this is not an ideal offensive situation. The Falcons had the second fewest pass attempts per game last year. I believe only the Bears were lower. And the Bears go out and make significant upgrades at wide receiver and uh, to the offensive line. Then the Falcons also draft a running back at number eight. So kind of just locking in that super run-heavy approach. And then you have Desmond Ritter, who is you know, pretty much unproven at this point. However, I feel like the issue I was making with London is that I was evaluating him as if the Falcons were going to be like locked in for league-worst passing attack. And it's possible they are league-worst, but I feel like to use that as the baseline is unfair because there's really no way you know, to go down from it. And there are going to be surprises every year in terms of how offenses are, right? Like the Seahawks last year, people thought they were terrible. Fading Metcalf, fading Lockett, they end up being really solid and Lockett obviously pays off. DK, I guess, kind of holds value. I'm not saying the Falcons are going to be like some great team this season, but if they go from, you know, bottom two in pass times per game to maybe they're like number 22 to like 26, somewhere in that range where they're still in the lower end, but, you know, they're not just dead last. I think London could definitely outperform this ADP. He showed he could command targets at a very high level. 29.4% target share, 32.4% target rate as a rookie, which is crazy. So I'm willing to kind of, you know, just take the swing here on a rookie wide receiver, or sorry, a second-year wide receiver I'm super in on. And it's just at this point where I don't think anyone is like a slam dunk or has a crazy ceiling in this range. So if I'm super high on a player long-term, I might as well just you know, hope he can kind of put it together in uh, the immediate season we're in right now. So that's going to wrap it up for my top 24. Like I said at the top, let me know how you guys are feeling about these rankings. I think I'm pretty locked in, I believe on like the top 14, you know, give or take a few players like CeeDee Lamb, Devontae Adams, those guys could flip. I think outside of that, like the wide receiver twos after Higgins and uh, Devonta Smith, I do think some of those players could be moved around a little bit. So I want to hear your guys' feedback. Thank you all for stopping by. Over the next, I don't know, week or so, I should also have the quarterback and tight end rankings, so stay tuned for those. But thank you all again, and I will see you in the next one.